Good morning. If you would like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, we'll be reading from there today. Um, As I was preparing uh, for this, uh, I've had quite a bit of time actually uh, to prepare for this and you know, I knew that I would be speaking the week after Christmas and that we would have to go through the week between Christmas and New Year's. And, and I'll be quite frank, I really don't like that week. Um, I get kind of lost. I don't know what day it is, don't know what time it is, don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I'm fortunate enough, the company I work for, we take that week off. Um, so some of you can't can't claim that, so you might not know what I'm talking about, but this time between Christmas and New Year's is kind of a liminal space. And it, it made me think about uh, something called the, let me make sure I get this right. Um, the intertropical convergence zone. Uh, I saw some of you smile, so some of you know what that is. Uh, that was a new one on me. I had to do a little bit of research, but most of the time people call that the doldrums. Um, and if you've ever read the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, you know what the doldrums are. It's a it's an area on the Earth uh, about 10 degrees north and south of the equator where there is little to no wind. And, you know, when we talk about that today, it it really doesn't have much of an impact because modern ships, they run off of diesel. So if you've got a 100,000 horsepower engine pushing your boat, you don't have to worry about the wind. But 400 years ago, if you were on a boat that had sails, wind is imperative. And if you get to a place where there is no wind or very little wind, you're not going anywhere. You're stuck. Uh, To reference the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner again, um, there is an that there is an actual fact that there are places on the earth in the ocean where the water has been so still for so long that things grow on the water. And that's kind of gross. <laughs> but if you've ever had a bucket or something sitting outside for any length of time, that water is called stagnant because it doesn't move, it doesn't go anywhere. And that's what I would like us to think about this morning as we walk through this passage of Scripture. When we talk about the doldrums, um, it can also be called the calms. Um, And sometimes we think that might be a good thing, to have a calm sea. Well, it's not really all that good. Um, 
when you get to a place where there is no wind, you can't go anywhere. <clears throat> but we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14 and starting in verse 22, but to back up just a few verses, just to give a little bit of context. Jesus had just found out about John the, Beha John the Baptist being beheaded. Um, and he had just got done feeding the 5,000. And starting in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dispersed the crowds. Okay, stopping right there. I wonder if the disciples ever thought to ask, Jesus, how are you going to get to where we are? Like, we have the boat. And we're just going to leave you here? Um, we don't have that conversation recorded, but I just think it odd that nobody stopped to ask, you sure you don't want to come with us? Um, but moving on, um, after he sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already far from land, was taking a beating from the waves because the wind was against it. As the night was ending, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, order me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid. And starting to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they went up into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. As I said, in, as far as context goes, um, Jesus had just found out about John the Baptist beheading. Um, he had fed the 5,000. And he sent the disciples away. And what does he do after he sends the disciples away? It's okay, you can talk in church. You can answer that question. He went up to the mountain to pray. And he was by himself. Now, I don't think it is a small thing that very often we hear that Jesus goes up into the wilderness or wilderness or on a mountain or off by himself to pray. When, when the God of the universe takes time to pray, I think that is significant. I think it is an important thing that we follow Christ's example and pray. 
and pray often. Uh, there's a passage in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, you're welcome to turn there if you want to. Um, Luke 5, 16. Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. I have to admit that my prayer life is not what it should be. I don't spend as much time in prayer as I should. But I have come to realize that one of the things that we have the privilege of doing, Jesus also did. And if you think about it, did Jesus really need to pray? You know, if, if Jesus was God, did he, did he really need to pray? Well, the answer is kind of obvious. Because he did. Whether he needed it or not, he prayed. He talked to God on a regular basis. He got off by himself and he prayed. And one of the most basic things we can do as Christians is follow that example. Is to get off by ourselves and pray. Not just on Sunday, not just over meals, but when something troubles us, when we have problems, when we have concerns. You know, I'm sure Christ was sad over the death of John. And he wanted to talk to somebody about that. And he went to his father to do that. So, point number one out of this passage of Scripture, pray often. Um, if Jesus saw fit to pray and pray often, it's probably a good idea that we follow suit. If we want to be like Christ, we need to do what Jesus did and He prayed often. For a Christian, um, being able to weather the storms of life requires prayer. And then it says that Jesus came to them on the water. Um, well, it talks about the, the disciples. Uh, it was already far from land. It was a taking a beating from the waves. So there was a storm at sea. And then Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And I don't know why I've never, never really picked up on this before. But in my opinion, and Jacob can correct me if I'm wrong, either biblically or theologically, but in my opinion, Jesus walking on the water is proof that he was God. More than anything else he did, that is proof that he was God. And you ask, well, why are you saying that? Well, a couple of reasons. People in the Old Testament did miracles. 
God worked miracles through people in the Old Testament. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was Moses. You know, all the miracles that he performed and parting of the Red Sea, uh, the providing for the children of Israel as they were going through the desert, especially water, you know, striking a rock. God did the miracles, but he did it through Moses. Okay, so here's Jesus, a seemingly human person that the disciples have spent a lot of time with. And they see him performing these miracles, right? Okay, well, they're already used to the idea that God works miracles through human beings. Okay? So when Jesus heals someone, they expect it. It's not a surprise to them. When Jesus gives someone their sight or feeds 5,000 people, it doesn't shake their belief in anything because they expect it. And we're told that the Messiah is, are, is going to do these things. You know, that the Messiah would give sight to the blind, make the lame walk. So it was expected. But here's this guy that is human. <laughs> He's walking on the water. That's impossible. It, it does not happen. Okay? The only explanation for Jesus being able to walk on water is that He is God. There's no reason for Him to do it other than to get to where He needed to be. Okay? Jesus isn't helping someone. He's not feeding someone. He's not healing someone. This is a miracle that is off by itself. It's simply Jesus being who he is, and that is God. He is the author of everything. He helped create the world and everything in it. Um, <laughs> When we think about Christ being, being God, you know, He was there when the world was created. He wrote the laws of physics. And He can bend them to His will. So when Jesus walks on the water, I don't think that's something we can just gloss over as, oh, well, yeah, of course Jesus walked on water. Well, that's special. Because... No one else can do that. Only God can do that. And just as an aside, <laughs> I thought it kind of funny that the disciples, the, you know, they're scared, and if, the first thing they think is it's a ghost. Did they have ghosts visiting them that often? You know, to the first thing that they think is it's a ghost. But we have to give them a little bit of credit because they were probably tired. It says it was the fourth watch of the night. Um, if you look that up, it's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to stay up all night. It's been a long time since I've done it. Um, the hours between 3 and 6 a.m., 
you know, when you're a kid, you think that there's some magical thing that happens at night. And you want to stay up to find out what it is. Well, I'm here to tell you, nothing happens. <laughs> um, especially between the hours of three and six, absolutely nothing happens. So I'm sure that, they, that the disciples were tired. They were sleepy. They'd been fighting the storm. So they were kind of punch drunk, probably. And to their credit, you know, they probably bleary-eyed. And Jesus comes walking on the water. They don't know what's going on. And Jesus says, okay, hang on, guys, calm down. Don't be afraid, it is me. And Peter, you know, Peter, uh, he's the loudmouth teacher's pet. Um, I don't like Peter a lot of the time because he's, he always talks before he thinks. Um, when Peter, he says, Peter says to Jesus, okay, if it's you, tell me to walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, come. And, you know, as, as hard as I am on Peter, he got out of the boat. And, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to do that. If you're in a boat on a lake or a sea and there's a storm going on and somebody says, get out of the boat, I'm not sure I would be able to do that. But Peter, to his credit, he Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat. That takes a lot of faith. You know, we, we don't have a lot of commentary. You know, he didn't like put his hand on the side of the boat and look at the water and then look at Jesus and then look at the water and then look at Jesus. It doesn't say any of that. All it says is Jesus told him to come and he got out of the boat. Another point we need to take from this passage of Scripture is be obedient. Trust your Savior. If you're able to trust your Savior with your immortal soul, should you not be able to trust Him with everything else? Whether it's your health, or your money, or your time, or your children. And I tell you, that one's hard. <laughs> that one's hard. But if we believe that Christ can secure and save our mortal soul, don't you think He's going to take care of everything else too? Not that it won't be hard, because it will. Life is hard. And, you know, we're going to get to that. Um, but we should be able to trust Christ and obey Him at a moment's notice. And I think if we spend time in prayer like we should, we'll be able 
to be obedient like we should. Um, point number three, if I keep my eyes on Jesus, I can walk on water. And if any of you are my age or recognize that line, it's uh, one of my favorite songs from Audio Adrenaline a long time ago. Um, but it comes from this passage of Scripture where Peter, as long as he was focused on Christ, he was actually walking on water. But then what, what, what did he do? He got distracted, didn't he? And it doesn't take long to get distracted either. Just a second. Something can pull your attention away and you're no longer focused on Christ. And that's something I, I've had to learn in the last few months is that how short a period of time it takes for us to get distracted and go off course. Because it doesn't take long. A lot of times we're distracted by calm seas. We don't want things to be turbulent. We don't want trouble. We don't want winds to batter us. So we take the easy way out sometimes and go on a path that we think is just calm and tranquil is really going the wrong way. <clears throat> when, when Peter looks away, he starts to sink. And, and I thought a lot about that. And, you know, I really don't think that it mattered what the weather was like. If it had been a bright, sunny day with no wind, if Peter had taken his eyes off Christ, he would have sunk no matter what. The storm didn't matter. when he took his eyes off Christ, that's when he started to sink. Okay, so if, if the weather didn't matter, why does it specify that there was a storm? Well, if there hadn't been a storm, Peter wouldn't have been in danger of drowning and he wouldn't have recognized his need for a Savior. And that comes to a point that we really don't like to talk about a lot is the fact that the storms in our life, the struggles we have, the problems we have, God uses those things to drive us to Himself. Not away from Him, but towards Him. Because if we didn't have a struggle, if we didn't have a storm, we wouldn't recognize our need, our dependence on Christ. You know, if, if it had been a, a calm day, bright and sunny, and Peter had been walking on the water, he looks away and starts to sink, he wouldn't have been in danger of drowning. 
he would have just had to tread water till the boat come by and got him. He wouldn't have been in trouble, would he? It was only the storm that made him recognize his need for Jesus. And if we look at things in that perspective, the problems that we have, the storms in our life, do they not drive us towards Christ? Do they not let us know that we need Jesus? When we constantly have to lean on Jesus, or more to the point, um, have Jesus carry us through storms, we will be closer to Him. Um, and something else we don't really like to talk about, um, some people have asked the question, well, God wouldn't do anything to hurt me, would He? Well, ask Job that question. Job lost everything he had. His health, his wealth, all of his children. And I'll be honest, that, that's one of the most devastating things that could ever happen to someone is to lose their child. And all of that was taken away. Now, God didn't do that, but he allowed it. And we don't like to think about that, do we? We don't like to talk about the fact that God could do something or allow something to hurt us. Listen. God did not withhold His own Son so that we could be saved. Don't you think that God will do everything in His power to draw us to Himself? Regardless of the cost to our feelings or our well-being, whether that be financial or physical or mental. God will do everything He can to draw us to Himself. And He uses the storms in our life to do that. God loves us so much that He cares more about our eternal salvation than He does our physical well-being on this earth. Because let's be honest, we're only on this earth for a short amount of time. 70, 80, 90 years at the most. That's a, a grain of sand on the seashore compared to eternity. What little pain and suffering we go through here is not going to compare to the glory we have when we get to heaven. So the storms and struggles and trials that we go through in the grand scheme of things don't really matter as long as those things drive us towards Christ.
Point number four. The storms in our life keep us focused on Christ. Point number five. Smooth seas never made a good sailor. Um, And my dad used to say that all the time. Uh, Smooth seas never made a good sailor. When anything would go wrong, you know, he and you know, I would get frustrated and and complain. He would say, "David, smooth seas never made a good sailor." And you know, I I was young. I didn't want to hear that. (laughs) I just wanted everything to be calm and smooth and tranquil, right? But, you know, grow up and I have a son of my own. And it's hard, it's hard to see your kids struggle with anything. But that saying is replayed in my own mind when I see the struggles that my own kids go through. If I want them to be strong, if I want them to rely on Christ, I shouldn't keep them from going through storms. Because if you, ne- if you never have to go through a storm, you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to help other people deal with it. And you'll always be a novice sailor your entire life. You'll never grow. You'll never be more like Christ if you don't have storms to go through. Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And of of course he does. Jesus reached out his hand and called him, saying to him, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? When they went up into the boat, the wind ceased. It's only in Christ's presence that things were called. even though there might be storms going on around you. You can have joy. You can have calm. You can have peace because of Christ. Not because of your circumstances, but because of Christ. In verse 33, Then those who were in the boat worshipped Him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Point number six, and this is the last one, I promise. The only acceptable response that a Christian has to an encounter with Christ is worship. That's it. You might change. You might do better. You might be led to do something you might be convicted to be obedient to something that Christ has already told you to do but when you have an encounter with your Savior the only acceptable response is worship so when you go off by yourself to pray 
and you are in the presence of your Savior, you should worship. When you're <clears throat> in a storm and you cry out, Jesus save me, and He does, you should worship. When Christ carries you through the things in your life that you can't make it through on your own, you should worship. Going back to the example of Job, if you read his life, he worshiped all the time. And that's probably why he was so faithful. Because he spent time with God. In his life, whether there was a storm or not, it talks about him sacrificing and worshiping. And then when the storm did come, he remained faithful. This morning, um, if, if you're a lost person, the only acceptable response to an encounter with Jesus is repentance and belief. And I, I don't know of any better way to worship than in repentance and belief. Actually, that's a person's first act of worship when they have a salvation experience. When you repent and believe, that is worship. So as we, as we close today, I hope this has been an encouragement. Um, when I was, I was talking to Ashley earlier and we were, we were talking about what I was going to be talking about. And I, I mentioned Job and she said, oh no. <laughs> but I hope it has been an encouragement because Life is hard, and we're going to have storms no matter what. No matter what, there's going to be storms and struggles and trials in your life. But the only way to make it through those things is to be close to Christ. <clears throat> to draw near to Him. And as we leave today, I want you to be encouraged to pray to draw off by yourself to a quiet place like Christ did. And in any storm you have, whether it's having as mundane as having a flat tire, draw, let that draw you closer to Christ, not push you further away. Because the rest of the world is going to be watching Christians to find out how they weather storms. And the way we weather storms tells them about Jesus. And they're going to look and they're going to say, you know, there's something different about those people. And it's okay to be called weird. <laughs> because as Christians we are. Because we have a hope that the rest of this world does not have. And that hope is Jesus.
And I hope throughout this upcoming year, we remember that and we can share Jesus with people around us, whether we're in a storm or not. Because the point of the storms that God sends our way is to make us more like Christ. And when we are more like Christ, we worship. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for storms. Lord, thank you for the waves that crash over the bow and the, the winds that blow us around. Lord, without those, we would not see our need for a Savior. Without those, we would not be made stronger. Without those, we would not draw closer to Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, I pray that the storms in our lives would drive us to you so that we would be made more like Christ. so that we could point others to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.